For those of you that celebrate Thanksgiving, hopefully you got to spend some time with family and friends, uh, eating and reminiscing and eating and watching some football and eating and meeting new friends and family possibly, and then eating. And maybe some of you are Black Friday people that you get up at 3 o'clock in the morning and go stand in line at the mall or Walmart or wherever you do your shopping. We're not. Okay, at least we're not anymore. I remember mornings getting up very, very early and going to Michael's, which is a sewing hobby store, and waiting in line there and with my wife fighting off all the women that were trying to get whatever material that they wanted to get. I do remember one Christmas, probably eight years ago, something like that, um, our middle son was still living in Colorado, and we all went there for Thanksgiving, and we celebrated Thanksmas because we weren't going to be able to get together for Christmas. And there was something that my one son wanted, and so we went to Walmart at, I don't know what time it was, very early. And we got there, and it was like a mob. And, you know, Chris kept saying, you know, do I really need this? Do I really want this? But we were in the electronics department, and there was two or three police officers that were standing there. And so I asked them how they like Black Friday. And they says, oh, we look forward to this. It's always fun just to watch all these people and what they're doing. Well, I've had two sons working at Walmart, and they didn't like Black Friday. Um, the planning that went into it and then the hours that they had to work and the fact that, you know, took them away from family usually. So I know I've asked this before, but here goes again. Where did this year go? I mean, how can Thanksgiving be behind us and December's just right around the corner? And I imagine you asked that question as well, because it does not seem like it could be December. The day after Thanksgiving, we got our artificial tree up. We got other lights up, uh, different manger scenes that we have, uh, some given to us that were homemade uh, by friends. And I got to wondering, why Christmas trees? Well, here's a little bit of what I found. There's a whole lot, but this is a little bit. Uh, there are different theories about how the evergreen tree became a symbol of Christianity from a pagan custom. Legend says that the English Benedictine monk Boniface cut down an oak tree to keep pagans from worshiping a god he didn't believe in when in Germany in the 8th century. He took the opportunity to convert pagans to Christianity. When a fir tree grew out of the place where the fallen oak had been, it became a symbol of Christ. The triangular shape of the tree was a representation of the Holy Trinity, 
and it represented new life. So in case you wondered, now you know. Let's pray. Father, we give you thanks for your word and thank you for the fact that we know that Jesus Christ is not just the reason for the season. Jesus Christ is the reason. He's the reason for everything that's important to us. So, Lord, help us to put him first in all that we do, all that we say. And, Lord, just be with us now as we listen to the message that you have for us. And, Lord, that we will just have our hearts, ears, and minds open to you. In Jesus' name, amen. <coughs> well, I also thought maybe it would be good to get a definition of Advent, since Advent started on the 27th of November. And so these are some different things that I found. It's coming into place, view, or beginning, arrival, the advent of the holiday season. Usually advent, the coming of Christ into the world. Advent, the period beginning four Sundays before Christmas, observed in commemoration of the coming of Christ into the world. Advent is a season of preparation and waiting for the celebration of Jesus' birth at where we place Christmas. The term Advent is from the Latin translation of coming. God's prophecies in the Old Testament prepare the way for his promise. Okay, well, I want to look at a major player in the Christmas story that we don't often hear very much about. And I'm going to start that off with a song. Um, I believe it was written by, but performed by, uh, Sting, along with many other people and groups uh, over the years. But here's some of the words. <coughs> the angel Gabriel from heaven came. His wings as drifted snow, his eyes as flame. All hail, said he, thou lowly maiden Mary, most highly favored lady, Gloria. For known a blessed mother thou shalt be. All generations laud and honor thee. Thy son shall be Emmanuel, thy seers foretold. Most highly favored lady, Gloria. Then gentle Mary meekly bowed her head to me be as to me be as it pleaseth God, she said. My soul shall laud and magnify his holy name, most highly favored lady, Gloria. Of her Emmanuel the Christ was born in Bethlehem all on a Christmas morn, and Christian folk throughout the world will ever say, Most Highly Favored Lady, Gloria. Okay, so this is about the angel Gabriel. Now, angels that we see on Christmas treetops, they're, you know, the a woman in this beautiful dress and probably got glitter on it somewhere, and you know she's just beautiful, and her hair's perfect, and and all. But you know, to me, I believe Gabriel was more like G.I. Joe. 
then you know that we should be able to put a a GI Joe up there and see that representation, which is, I believe, closer than those cute, beautiful little angels. Because all the angels that are mentioned in the Bible are men. Now, my wife's an angel, but that's different. Uh, we were first read about Daniel when he came twice to Daniel in visions in Daniel 8 verses 15 and 16 we read while I Daniel was watching the vision and trying to understand it there before me stood one who looked like a man and I heard a man's voice from Eulai calling Gabriel tell this man the meaning of the vision okay so verse 17 and beyond, Gabriel is explaining the vision to Daniel. Then he wanted him to, like it says in verse 17, understand that the vision concerns the time of the end. Okay, then one chapter later, chapter 9, verses 20 and 21, Daniel says, while I was speaking and praying, confessing my sin and the sin of my people, Israel, and making my request to the Lord my God for his holy hill. While I was still in prayer, Gabriel, the man I had seen in earlier visions, came to me in swift flight about the time of the evening sacrifice. So Gabriel went on to explain what was in store for Israel, and it wasn't good. Well, now let's look at how Gabriel fits into the Christmas story. Okay, and we probably read this many, many, many times. Okay, but it starts out in a passage that may be overlooked. Okay, because we're looking for Jesus. Okay, we know that Jesus was, was born and, you know, that's what we're focused on. But Luke 1 gives us this. We find Zechariah, a priest, and he had been chosen by God to be the one to burn the incense on this particular day. So in verse 11, Gabriel shows up. And verse 12 tells us that Zechariah was gripped with fear. I can imagine, okay? I believe that I probably would be gripped with fear at the least in seeing an angel before me. Verse 13 says, But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid. Your prayer has been heard. Your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you are to call him John. Okay? Now, remembering their situation, okay, it goes on in verses 14 to 17. Gabriel is telling Zechariah his son will be used by God. Okay? Verse 18, Zechariah gets himself in trouble, okay, because he asked the angel, how can I be sure of this? I'm an old man and my wife is well along in years. Verses 19 and 20, Zechariah finds out what's going to happen to him. It says, the angel said to him, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God. I have been sent to speak to you and to tell you this good news. Uh, 
and now you will be silent and not be able to speak until the day that this happens, because you did not believe my words, which will come true at their appointed time. And that's exactly what happened. Yea, then skipping down to verse 24, chapter 9, says, After this, his wife Elizabeth became pregnant and for five months remained in seclusion. Now, she was just so happy. She just wanted to be by herself and just enjoy the fact that she was now pregnant after many, many years of that not happening. And two, she wanted to make sure nothing was going to happen to this baby, okay, that she wasn't going to be going out and um, doing something that she shouldn't or falling down. And so she just was hanging out for five months. Well, next we find what most of us know is part of the Christmas story. Okay, and it starts with Luke 1, verse 26. And at this time, Elizabeth is five months pregnant. And at the end of verse 26, God sends Gabriel to Nazareth to see the Virgin Mary. How old was Mary at this time? It doesn't tell us. But at that time, girls got married well, around 17 years old. So she was probably 16 to 18 in there someplace. Okay, so in verse 28, it says, The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Well, verse 29 tells us the obvious. Mary was greatly troubled, and his words, and at the wonder of what kind of greeting that this could be. I imagine she was. Okay, that again, all of a sudden, there's this angel that's there. Keep in mind, angels didn't just show up every day. And so this was something greatly out of the ordinary. The next thing Gabriel tells her in verse 30, he says, Don't be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. Okay? Next he tells her what we've heard hundreds of times. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. <coughs> Excuse me. That's a lot to take in. Okay, first of all, you got an angel showing up, and then he's telling you that you're going to have a son. And, you know, not just going to have a son, he's going to be the Messiah that's been expected for hundreds and hundreds of years. So then Mary asks a reasonable question in verse 34. How will this be, since I am a virgin? She had to be wondering not only how, but when was this going to happen? You know, is it going to be after Joseph and I get married? Uh, will this child be, you know, our, our first child, our first son? And Gabriel answers her in verse 35. He says, The Holy Spirit will come on you, 
and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. It had to happen this way for Jesus to be the Messiah, to be the Savior. If it happened any other way, he wouldn't have been who we know he, we know he is. Verses 36 and 37, Gabriel is giving her some reassurance of what's happening. Because he says, even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she was said to be unable to conceive. And she's in her sixth month. For no word from God will ever fail. Now, it doesn't tell us the relationship between Elizabeth and Mary. Uh, you know, she was older, so maybe an aunt or whatever. But Mary now has a lot of time to think. She's got to be wondering what is going to happen. Okay, This is a conclusion that she has come to in verse 38. I'm the Lord's servant. May your word to me be fulfilled. And then the angel left her. What tremendous faith that Mary had to say that, you know, okay, bring it on. You know, if that's the way it's supposed to be, I'm ready. I don't think I'd be able to answer that way if an angel showed up to me. If he had told me to do something or go someplace or whatever, I think I'd say, well, you know, can you come back next week? And I had some time to think about it. But Mary said, bring it on. This is what's going to happen. I'm praising the Lord for it. Because God wasn't asking Mary to take on some small task. Okay, First, she was to get pregnant by the Holy Spirit. That didn't happen to anybody before. And she was to raise the Messiah of the earth. And doing that and seeing him as an adult, you know, to see him being abused, you know, verbally and his life threatened and, you know, people coming against him all the time and to watch him die a horrible death and then to see him be raised from the dead. And Mary says, if that's what God wants, I'm good with it. <coughs> Excuse me. Now let's go to a, a part that has been debated for years. And let me start with Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 and 19. It says, This is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph. But before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. Okay? So far, so good. But two things to make note of. One, in that culture, becoming engaged, that was a binding agreement. You know, it's not, you know, something that we, in some ways, take kind of lightly. This is something that uh, Joseph couldn't just call off the engagement or call off the wedding without going through the, the proper steps according to the law. And it tells us that Joseph, he was a good Jew. He wanted to do things right. He wanted to do things by the book. So think about jo Joseph. He was about to celebrate his marriage. 
assume he was looking forward to this, <coughs> excuse me, until Mary comes along and says, hey, by the way, Joseph, I'm pregnant by the Holy Spirit. Now, we don't know when they had this conversation, if it was soon after uh, she found out was going to be happening, or was it when she started to show and, you know, couldn't be hidden anymore? But not an easy heart-to-heart -heart talk, okay? And we can understand why Joseph would be kind of skeptical. So Mary had to be wondering what was going to happen. Verse 20 and 21 says, But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conce conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. Well, this is where the debate comes in. Because some people say that the angel that appeared to Joseph was Gabriel. Scripture doesn't tell us. Doesn't give us a clue. We can assume things. I mean, Gabriel had gone to Mary and done a good job. And well, before that, he'd gone to, to Zechariah and, and did what he was supposed to do. So he was a very convincing angel. And Gabriel was familiar with this situation. So we don't see any reason for it to not be Gabriel. Does it matter? Mm, no. God does things his way and uses who he wants to. He doesn't wait for our approval, and his plan is always the best. So skipping to verse 24 and 25, says, When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. But he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son, and he gave him the name Jesus. Okay, now the father would be the one to name the child. Okay, going back to Zechariah, when uh, uh, Joseph, or John was born, and they said, well, you know, you want to name him John, and there's no Johns in your family and all that. doesn't make a whole lot of sense. And um, Zechariah said, no, it's going to be John because that was what was left up to him and what was left up to Joseph to name this baby Jesus. Well, next question we might ask. Look at Matthew 2, verses 13 to 15. It says, When they, the wise men, had gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Get up, he said, and take the child and his mother and escape to Egypt. Stay there until I tell you for Herod is going to search for the child to kill him. <coughs> Excuse me. So he got up, took the child and his mother during the night, <laughs> and left for Egypt, where he stayed until the death of Herod. And so was fulfilled what the Lord had said through the prophet. Out of Egypt I called my son. Again, was that Gabriel? I don't know. I'll have to ask him someday. Then, going down to verses 19 to 23, it says, Then after Herod died, 
An angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt and said, Get up, take the child and his mother, and go back to the land of Israel. For those who were trying to take the child's life are dead. So he got up, took the child and his mother, and went to the land of Israel. But when he heard that Archile was reigning in Judea in the place of his father Herod, he was afraid to go there. Having been warned in a dream, he withdrew to the district of Galilee. (coughs) Excuse me. And he went and lived in a town called Nazareth. So was fulfilled with the true through the prophets that he would be called a Nazarene. Is this another Gabriel sighting? We don't know. But one thing that, that I noticed in putting this together, that the last two times that the angel came to Joseph, the angel didn't say, take the child or take Jesus, Jesus and go there or go here or whatever. He said, take the child and his mother. Joseph knew the importance of Jesus, and the angel reminded him of Mary's role and how important she was in everything. The Bible tells us many other times that unnamed angels were seen, several in the Old Testament. We read about Michael, the archangel, in Jude and Revelation. And so we don't know if Gabriel may have been seen in some other passages. Again, I do not picture Michael or Gabriel or any other angel as that cute little girl on top of your Christmas tree. So what is important in all of this? The message that Gabriel brought to Mary and Mary's accepting that message. Let's pray. Father, we just give you thanks for who you are, and we thank you for just the way you do things. Lord, you do them a whole lot different than what most of us would. So we thank you for your perfect plan. Lord, help us to put Christ first in our Christmas. Okay, there's a lot going on, uh, Christmas parties at school, at work, at church, uh, in the neighborhood, whatever it might be, and let us put Christ first in, in all of those. And remember that he indeed is the reason for every season. And Lord, let us take this opportunity to let people know, make them aware of what Christmas is really about, that it's not about Santa Claus or Rudolph or Frosty or gifts or uh, food or drinking or whatever. It's all, all, all about Jesus. Help us to give that message to those that, that don't know or have forgotten. And Lord, I just lift up anyone that may be listening to this that that doesn't know you, hasn't made a commitment to you. And so, Lord, let them know uh, that the Christmas story is true. It's not just a nice story. That Jesus had to be born of the Virgin Mary in Bethlehem and grew up in Nazareth to be able to be who he is, the Messiah. And that Jesus Christ came to die for their sins, for everybody's sins. And so let them realize that all this is true and take it to heart and make the decision that will be the most decision they've ever made in their lives 
bigger decision than who to marry or where to go to school or what house to buy or where to live, then the decision to make Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior is the biggest and the greatest decision that will ever be made by anyone. So, Father, let them know to to pray like this. (coughs) Dear Heavenly Father, we give you thanks for who you are. And we give you thanks that you love us. And we thank you that you've forgiven us. Lord, help us to realize that we need Jesus in our lives and that you sent him for us. Help us to accept that love and accept that forgiveness and know that we will spend an eternity with you in heaven because of it. In Jesus' name, amen.